Thanks for tuning into a sermon from Redemption Hill Church. It's our prayer that God would use this to stir your affections for Jesus, that the Spirit would work through his word being expounded as you listen to this message. As a reminder, podcasts and audio and video are great, but they aren't a replacement for the local church family. And so if you're part of Redemption Hill, a reminder to come and join us. If you're not in Washington, D.C., we would love for you to get connected to a local church where you can be loved and cared for. If you'd like to give to the ongoing ministries of Redemption Hill Church, you can do so at our website, redemptionhilldc.org. Thanks for listening. Um, Father, thank you for the chance to be together today. Thank you for um, our children and the, that they are in the service with us throughout the service this morning. We thank you that we get to close out this year by gathering together and, and spending the time together, singing together, reading your word, praying together, and also now um, hearing from your word for us. So we, we lift this time to you and ask that you'd speak to us and lift the next year to you and ask that you would, you would move in ways that we can't now anticipate and that you would help us to see your work in our lives, in our church, in our city. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, as Jess mentioned, today is a family Sunday. We, a few times a year on holiday weekends, take the time to slow things down, only have one service and have all the kids in with us. So kids, um, I'm glad you're here this morning. Chloe, I know that you were asking me just a minute ago about kids' worship. We'll be back on next week. Um, you don't have to worry. This is a one-week one thing for us. <laughs> um, so with that, I'm also going to keep the sermon a little shorter this morning than we would normally do. Um, and so if you're new with us this morning, just a little bit of a, an understanding there. Um, but um, we're, gonna, we're also closing out a series today. And so we, through Advent, have taken a look at the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk has been, I think, a helpful book in Advent. Advent is traditionally a time of lament and waiting. And then you get to, um, on Christmas Eve, we were able to celebrate together and celebrate that light has broken through the darkness in the coming of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And so as we've walked through Advent, we now come to the resolution of the book that we've been walking through. In Habakkuk, we've seen already, we, we started in chapter one by seeing that, that in, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of sorrow and Things in our lives aren't going the way that we'd like to, and when God feels distant, that we can cry out to him. And Habakkuk did. He cried out and said, how long, Lord, am I going to cry for help and you won't hear me? How long are you going to let injustice go forward? And, he, and so he came before God, and God responded to him. And he said, Habakkuk, I am active. I am here. Look among the nations and see and wonder and be astounded, because I'm doing a work in your days that you wouldn't believe if you saw it. We saw then that God laid out his plan for what he was doing, and Habakkuk responded like we often do when we see a lot of circumstances in our lives roll out, as, as he came back to God and said, I don't think that feels like a very good plan. And in that, we see, we see God's response that he sees wickedness, he sees injustice, he sees the, the evil that, and darkness and brokenness of this world, and, and he calls the righteous to live by faith. And then in the third week, we saw that God is addressed to his own enemies and those who stood against him and, and saw the promise that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And he said, the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silence before him. And so this morning, we finish it out with Habakkuk chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Habakkuk 3 with me. Um, if not, it'll be on the screen. And we have Bibles in the back. You can, you can take one as our gift to you. So now, God has laid out his plan. 
He's, he's Habakkuk and, and the Lord have had a back and forth responding to each other. There's a call in the end of chapter 2 where it says, The Lord is in his holy temple, while the earth keeps silence before him. It's with the, the majesty and the reverence of God. And in chapter 3, we see Habakkuk's final response, his prayer. And this is what we read. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood, and he measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your, on your horses on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. Selah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their place. At the light of your, of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You, you threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the, for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. Selah. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, surging the surging of mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a long prayer. It's a long chapter, and it has words like Shigianoth in it. And so we're going to walk through this together and untangle it a little bit um, quickly this morning. The, the big thing that we see here is that we get a clue from Habakkuk on how we can walk with joy in suffering. And this is something that is critical for us because and it, it is, a, is good for us to be able to reflect on with the new year upon us. Because 2017, for every one of us, um, had moments and circumstances, things that came up in our lives that we couldn't have seen coming. Some of those were unexpected joys, things that were, it made us feel like God was smiling on us and blessing us. Some of those, some of the things that we've seen happen, we just can't believe that God would have let them occur. Some of us have walked through really hard things and really deep suffering. Some of us have carried that burden on our own. 
And so a new year brings us new hope. It brings often new resolutions. It brings, it brings a new opportunity and new beginnings and a chance to reflect on what has been and what's ahead. And so in the coming year, the same is going to happen. You know, we like to think that everything in our lives is a constant step of progress, getting better and better as things go, but we just can't know. And so as we walk into 2018, some of us are going to walk into circumstances and suffering and struggle and sorrow that we can't now predict. And as we do so, it's possible to even endure the difficult things in our lives with joy. So we have five things, that, five steps to walking with joy and suffering that Habakkuk shows us here. Now remember, his circumstances here were in between two conquering nations in, over Israel. And so in the 700s BC, Assyria came in and invaded the northern kingdom of Israel, and it took, the, it took people into exile, into slavery. And so Habakkuk was crying out in the beginning, saying, Lord, why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting this wickedness reign? And, and when are you going to show up and do something? And, when God, and God said, all right, Habakkuk, what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans, Babylon, and they're going to take out Assyria, but then they're also going to conquer Judah, the southern kingdom. And that's when Habakkuk said, that doesn't sound like a good plan. But God responded and, and told Habakkuk that, if, that he saw what was happening, that this is what was going to happen. He was giving a warning. And even in the midst of that, Habakkuk's able to say, yet I rejoice in the Lord. So how did he get there? Well, first, he remembered God's power. This is what we see at the very beginning, that, that we have the majesty of God on display in contrast with idols, with, with false gods, saying, saying idols have no power, and woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, or a silent stone, arise. But the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth keep silent before him. And so Habakkuk begins by saying, Lord, I've heard about your work. I've heard how you're active in, your, in, your, in this world. And so he cries out to him in the midst of the years revive it. He's saying, please work again, make it known. In, even in your wrath, remember mercy. And so he cries out to God for mercy, but remembers his power. And this is important for us too. Now, listen, there are all kinds of things. I, like, I don't know, do you, have you decided what your New Year's resolutions are yet? Um, maybe, I mean, maybe you're too jaded for that and you don't make New Year's resolutions. That's fine. <laughs> But for many of you, there's at least things you want to see happen this year. And if you don't plan for them, they're probably not going to happen. But there's all kinds of places we can turn for our resolutions. Like, I, I've been on a, the same plan for resolutions for years now. I just maintain them because I still haven't lost weight and worked out more. <laughs> so I am highly successful at being resolved to accomplish nothing. But as we think about what we want to do in the next year, there's all kinds of places we can turn. There's all kinds of introspection we can embrace and, and self-help that we can read and immerse ourselves in. But you need to hear this this morning. While resolutions are good, it's good to make plans, it's good to, to have plans for the upcoming year, and I do have things I want to work on personally in the upcoming year. Well, every one of us can make resolutions for the things we would like to accomplish. What we need most this morning, every one of us, isn't greater resolutions. What we need most isn't greater resolve and greater plans in the coming year. What every one of us needs most is a great redeemer who can actually work in power in our lives. And so if we get that mixed up and start to think that all of the power lies in our hands to see this, our circumstances change, all the power lies in our hands to see our lives transformed, then we're going to be stuck in the same way that I've been stuck for five years trying to lose the same 20 pounds. There's one who can step into your life and transform it. 
There is one who can reshape your affections in your own heart. There is only one who can bring a hope in the hopelessness. And so we need to begin by remembering God's power when hard things come along. The second thing we see in Habakkuk 3 is that we need to remember God's work. Now, there's a long section from verses 3 to 16, as we read this, where it's, it's recounting and remembering things that God had done. The way that Habakkuk does not isn't, isn't as explicit as, as it often is in Scripture. And so he is using, using high, highly imaginative language as, as he's talking about how God has worked, but he's looking back to the Exodus account. He's looking back to Joshua coming into the promised land and entering God's rest. And, and as he recounts those things, saying, God, this is what I've heard that you have done that he saved his people and redeemed his people out of Egypt and out of slavery to free them and bring them into the promised land. And so he's remembering that and saying, Lord, there's you know, plague and, and pestilence followed at your heels. And he, he's remembering the plagues in Egypt. He, he talks about the seas rising up and, and obeying God and the sun and the moon standing still. And, and so he's recounting the work of God and how he has worked among his people in the past. This is something we see all over in the Psalms, too, that often in the Psalms, what we see David do is, is he remembers and looks back and says, says, he cries out in distress, just like in the same pattern as Habakkuk, saying, Lord, where are you? Why won't you move in, in, in my life? And why, why are my enemies seeming to prosper? Why do the wicked seem to advance? And then he'll go back and remember, okay, you have worked. God has been present. He's able to save. He's, he's able to save his people from Egypt. He's able to make the sun and the moon stand still. And so Habakkuk remembering those things allows him to actually believe that God is powerful and present and at work. Because it's not just a theoretical concept. There's concrete evidence in history. And we can have even more confidence. Again, we're, in, we're finishing up and closing out the Advent season today. And in Advent, this is what we remember, is that God did act in history, that there's a historical reality that Christianity is completely dependent on, that we really believe that Jesus Christ walked this earth, that he is God in the flesh, that he lived a perfect life and died on a cross in our place for our sin, that, that he didn't stay dead, but was raised to life and resurrected from the dead on the third day, and that that shows that Jesus alone has power over death itself. And so we know that God has worked in history. We can look back at concrete ways that he's worked in history, ultimately in Christ, because in Christ, light broke through the darkness. And in our own lives, too, we need to remember the times that God has worked and tell those stories over and over again when he has actually showed up in power in our own lives. We need, to, we need to tell those stories so that we can encourage each other along the way, and also because it helps us to remember that God is actually working and powerful to move. And so when you walk into circumstances in your life, when, when life hits you in the face and you end up suffering and in sorrow in ways that you just couldn't have predicted, or maybe ways that, that you're, you are the one to blame, whatever the case, remember God's power. Remember who he is, and then remember his work. You know, in, our own, in my life, I've, I've seen God provide for, it, for my family tangibly and financially in times when we didn't know where it was going to come from. So when times of stress come, it's important to remember and retell the ways that he's provided. We've, we've, had this, we've had, seen God give us rest and peace coming out of deep, deep conflict. 
And so when conflict comes, we need to cling to his ability to meet us. So remember God's power, remember his work. Third, remember, er, be realistic about life's circumstances. Things were pretty bleak for Habakkuk. He, wasn't, he, he knew that things were going to go bad. He knew that Babylon was going to come in. God gave him a warning about what was going, going to come. And even in the midst of this, you don't see Habakkuk turning to kind of pumped up religious language of saying everything's going to be okay. Habakkuk didn't fall into like the, simply the power of positive thinking. He looked around and look at verse 17. He said, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock will be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herd in the stalls. And so in verse 17, he's continuing to lament. But lament isn't pure despair. Lament is going to God with all of our sorrow and all of our fears and all of our doubts and all of our grief and believing that he actually hears us knowing that he's present with us. And so even in verse 17 here we see he's realistic about the circumstances around him. It won't do us any good if we just gloss over things because it won't actually help, we won't be open with our hearts before God. Now listen, for some of you, this might have been your 2017. For some of you, when you look back at 2017, you might be saying, the fig tree didn't blossom, there is no fruit on the vines, the produce of the olive failed, the fields yield no food, the flock has been cut off from the fold, everything in 2017 stunk. And I can't wait for tomorrow because it's a new year and everything's gotta be different. Some of you believed that in 2016 and then 2017 came. For some of us, it might be 2018. And so when those times come, actually turn to God and cry out to him in lament. If anything, the book of Habakkuk has shown us that he hears our complaints, that he hears us when we come to him open and honest and and crying out to him. Again, chapter one, this began with Habakkuk saying, how long am I going to cry out for help and you're not going to hear me? Where are you? How how long am I going to cry out violence and you won't save? How... How long do I, why do you make me see iniquity and, and wickedness? And why, why, God, do you look idly at wrong? There's destruction and violence everywhere and strife and contention. The law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. And the wicked surround the righteous. And justice itself has been perverted. Where are you, God? And even through the end, when he knows what's ahead, Habakkuk is open and honest with the reality that he's facing. But that makes it so that, fourth, he can rejoice in salvation. You see this in verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So we need to realize that Habakkuk doesn't jump right there. That's not where he starts. He doesn't hear all these things and hear about the difficulty that's ahead and the suffering that's ahead and immediately go, fantastic, I'm so happy. He has to walk through this, and this, in the, the order of this is important for us. He starts by saying, okay, I need to remember this. God is powerful. He's able to move. I need to remember this. I, I can see evidence of how God has worked in, in history, how he has worked among his people, how he really does have power to save, how he really is a redeemer. 
Then he's, he's able to say, okay, with that, it gives clarity of perspective on his own life and circumstances and what's ahead, and he's able to step back and be a little bit removed from it and say, this is the reality I'm facing. And it's after all of that, knowing the Lord is close, he is powerful, he's acted in the past, here's the reality of my circumstances, that Habakkuk is able to say, all right, if, he's, if this is who he is and this is what he's done and this is what I'm facing, I know that he can actually move in my life and save me too. Um, through the fall, we spent some time this year in 2017, actually, I guess throughout the year, it's kind of been sprinkled along the way, talking about the Protestant Reformation. Um, 2017 was the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther nailing his theses to the Wittenberg door. The reformers, part of what they recovered was reading the New Testament and realizing that, that our God has power to save us. That he, and the, and the way that that got captured, the theology that they recovered got captured was with five solas. That scripture alone is the authority and we see how God works in his word. That it's by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone that we are saved. And all of that is to the glory of God alone. And so you need to hear this morning that in, a, in the midst of New Year, in the midst of our resolutions, knowing that, if, that we really do need a great redeemer more than we need greater resolve, that God is able to save. And it takes turning to Christ by faith alone. And it's by God's grace alone that our eyes are opened. But if we turn to him and have rest and security in Jesus Christ, knowing that we stood as enemies of God apart from him, but that Christ took on the fullness of the wrath of God so that when we cry out, like, like Habakkuk does here, saying, saying, in the midst of the years, revive your work. In the midst of the years, make it known. And in wrath, remember mercy, that we know that God's mercy has been extended to us through him. And so, if we turn to Christ, we'll be able to rejoice in our salvation. Whatever circumstances come our way, because we know that we have a share of Jesus' inheritance in the new heavens and the new earth, it changes the scope of our lives and our perspectives. Fifth and finally, then, we'll be able to turn to God for strength. This is what, how it closes out. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And what we need to hear on this is there's a couple of things that Habakkuk's saying. Because again, it's poetic language, and so breaking down the image for you. The deer's feet were able to go to places on the rocks and on the cliffside that, that human beings can't go. And so there's, as he turns to God for strength here, he's saying, all right, my life is hitting some risky places, and, and God will make sure that my feet are sure. But what he doesn't say is that God won't give me those risky circumstances. He actually says that the Lord is my strength and he makes me tread on these high places. And so he sa what Habakkuk is saying is that God is going to introduce circumstances into our lives. He's going to allow things to happen to us that are hard, that are difficult, that are risky. And if we turn to him for strength, he will make us secure. And for some of you, this fifth step is actually gonna be the hardest one. Because every one of us wants to be independent and strong with an infinite capacity. And that is the ideal that is lifted up in our city. Independence and strength in an infinite capacity. Some of you are more wired that way than others, and you don't ever want to be seen as anything like weak or dependent and finite. 
And the hardest moments of your life will come when you have to admit those things, when you have to admit that you don't have the strength to stand, when you have to admit that your capacity has reached its limit and you don't have the ability to do one more thing or fit one more thing in, or when your weakness finally drives you to be dependent. But listen, you were not created with an infinite capacity. You weren't created and shaped by God to endure this life on your own and in your own strength. And so the hope that we have is that if we turn to God through Christ, our weakness will finally, will finally find his perfect strength. This is what the Apostle Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 12. He was, he was talking about his own suffering and the things that he experienced in his life that were hard and brutal. And we don't know what it was, but he talks about a thorn that was given him in his flesh, some suffering that he encountered. And he said this was a, that God had given it, but it was a messenger of Satan to harass him. But it was to keep him from becoming conceited. So three times he pleaded with God, take this thing away from me. Please remove this suffering. It's the same lament that we see Habakkuk doing. Saying, Lord, you are powerful. I know that you are able to move. I've seen you work. I've seen you act. And, and this is the reality of my life and the circumstances I'm facing. And, and so it's in the midst of that, that in the midst of his worst suffering, that he heard the voice of Jesus saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul's resolve was, all right, therefore I'll boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. He was able to embrace his weakness, knowing that then the power of Christ would rest upon him. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so this might be the hardest lesson for many of us this upcoming year, to actually embrace weakness, to embrace our limitations, to embrace our need and dependence for a Savior. And so, Redemption Hill 2017 is behind us. As a church, it's been a year that has brought healing and health. It's been a year that has brought sweetness as, as our church family has, um, has grown and become closer-knit. Um, God has worked powerfully this last year. We've seen people come to salvation and be baptized. We've seen God working locally here in our church and in your lives. We've also seen him at work in the churches that we're involved with. I mean, Village Belfast is baptizing more, more people this morning as they come to faith in Christ. We have no idea what 2018 has in store for us. None of us can predict it. We, we have all kinds of plans and hopes but whatever comes, we can, we can approach the next year with resolute confidence. Not in our plans, not in our work, in our ability to achieve things, because only God can transform hearts. But we can have confidence in our Redeemer. As we walk through this next year, it's going to be essential for us that whatever comes, that we remember God's power and remember his work, that we're realistic about the circumstances that we face, but always turning and rejoicing that we have salvation in Christ alone and together we'll embrace our weakness, we can embrace our finiteness, and we can turn to God together in dependence, trusting that he has the strength we need. Let's pray. Um, Father, thank you for your word to us through the prophet Habakkuk. Thank you that we have the chance to reflect. Thank you that your word doesn't skip over the hard parts of our lives or minimize them, but instead it, 
it confronts the realities of the brokenness of this place, the suffering we face, and it confronts those things head on. Would you help us this year to see our need for you? And even now, would you help us to be able to hear your voice and be sensitive to the movement of your spirit? And pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen.